This podcast is produced and copyrighted by 83 Bar Incorporated. It is designed as a general informational resource, and neither the sponsors nor guests are rendering any professional or medical advice. The opinions and claims presented by the guests are their own. Any trademarks used are the property of their respective owners. Welcome to The Patient Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. My guest today is Dr. Peter Small. What cough can mean in a patient's overall healthcare picture? I called my health provider and they're like, oh, you're too young to be at risk. I said, but I'm a cougher. And they're going, yeah, yeah, everyone coughs. I said, no, no, look at this. And I showed them the app and I had coughed 400 times the day before. And so what Hype has done is use acoustic artificial intelligence to recognize the sound of a cough. We have now over 340 million cough-like sounds. Here's your host, best-selling author, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, The Patients Speak, where we capture both the business and scientific innovation that's going on in healthcare with the patient's voice. And my guest today is Dr. Peter Small. He's an acoustic epidemiologist, but he's also leading the efforts to understand and quantify what cough can mean in a patient's overall healthcare picture. Dr. Small, it's so good to have you with us. Thanks so much, Mark. It's great to be here. Yes, and thank 83 Bar for sponsoring and presenting this conversation. His background includes global efforts in TB. He's also worked with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with the Global Healthcare Initiative, and with other foundations and organizations, especially in the area of lung and cough. Let's start with this idea of cough, you know, and how they communicate that to the doctor. What is it about cough that we need to understand from the patient's point of view? I love speaking uh, about this because while my professional background is as a physician and a scientist and I'm working in the field of philanthropy, I'm actually a patient as well. I've had a refractory chronic cough for about three decades. I cough 40 to 80 times a day. So I'm well aware of this. And and I'm a little embarrassed to say that understanding the patient's pathway to finding care for their cough is something that I came to understand relatively late in my professional career. And, you know, cough is a, it's a fascinating phenomenon. On the one hand, it's normal. If you never cough, you'll probably die of aspiration pneumonia. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's a symptom of disease. And if you're coughing a lot, you may be dying of aspiration pneumonia. So it's not like blood pressure. There's no 120 over 80. There's the amount of cough that's good for your body. And that's really where the issue of patients being able to understand and communicate with their providers is so broken right now because the way that it transpires right now is you, if you're like many people, and in fact, cough is one of the most common reasons that people seek healthcare. But if you have a problematic cough and you go to see your doctor, the doctor will say, well, how much are you coughing? And the the honest response is, I don't know, doc. I mean, how many times did you cough yesterday? Mm -hmm. Because we really don't know. And and then they'll say, well, what's it sound like? And you'll take this complicated sound and reduce it to a word like wet or dry. And in fact, you know, particularly annoying to have these conversations. And I've been on both sides of the bed on this conversation. It's not at all gratifying for anyone because you simply can't accurately describe it. 
And therefore, it creates this confusion, which is particularly problematic in, in cough because much of the diagnosis is made through therapeutic trials. That, yeah, treating it and let's see what happens. But you're right. I mean, in the average sort of primary care visit, you know, blood pressure, blood sugar, all these other things, whether you have GERD, whether you're dealing with anything, often takes precedent over something that you think, well, uh, yeah, I, I guess I cough a lot. But as long as we're focused on my PSA, I'm not bringing up cough. So where does it fit in the conversation and where do you think it should fit? For those of us who have problematic coughs, it should be at the top of the list. And yet, as you as you say, you know, because it's not easily measured, it's often not addressed. You know, and that's particularly ironic in this era of precision medicine where everything gets measured that you go in. And I mean, it's imagine if you were to go into your doctor and say, like, you know, I think I have a fever. And the doctor were to say, really? How hot do you feel? <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's really what, you know, Hyfe is trying to do for cough, what the thermometer did for fever. It made it real and quantifiable and actionable. And from a patient's perspective, it's particularly problematic because 30 years ago when I first developed a chronic cough, and I don't remember the episode precisely, but I'm sure it went something like me going in and saying, you know, I've been coughing a lot. And the doctor's saying, well, could be GERD or asthma, uh, post-nasal drip. Why don't you take some Sudafed and let's see how you do? which I really heard in a very dismissive way as take some over-the-counter medicines and please don't come back. <laughs> and, you know, even if I had, I wouldn't have been able to say, oh yeah, you know, that drug reduced my cough by 30%, but I don't think that's far enough. Mm -hmm. And in, instead, you know, I've just learned to live with a cough, which, which was fine for many years, although it was embarrassing because I did TV research and every time I coughed, people would back away. But now we all live in an era in which cough has been horribly stigmatized by COVID. And, and you know, I don't have COVID. I, I know that. But when I cough in a grocery store, people back off like I just pulled an Uzi submachine gun out of my mm -hmm. pocket. Yeah, it's quite disturbing. Well, maybe that uh, we turn the page then to the part of the story where we are working to quantify. And you mentioned the company Hyfe that you're affiliated with. Maybe you can describe what efforts are being made to put some more specificity and more metrics around the cough. We're at a incredible time. I, I like to say the golden era of cough because, you know, it's become a very high profile symptom for patients. There's a lot of interesting new science and new drugs that are coming along. We are surrounded by high fidelity microphones and mini computers in the form of cell phones and our smartwatches. And so what Hype has done is, is we use acoustic artificial intelligence to be able to recognize the sound of a cough. We run in the background, so it's privacy preserving. We don't listen in, we just monitor levels. And when there's an explosive sound, we grab half a second and we run that through a computer algorithm that says whether it's a cough or not. And this algorithm is super powerful. It's, it's been trained. We, we've had, we have now over 340 million cough-like sounds. We're currently annotating a million of them a month to say they're cough or not. So we have this massive data set. It's just like you know the Google images. How does Google image know what's a cat and what's a dog? It wasn't like someone said, oh, you know, you know, pointed ears a cat, you know, floppy ears might a dog. No, no, they just fed in a ton of pictures and the computer figures it out. And that's what we've done with cough. So we're really good now 
at running in the background on a smartwatch or on a smartphone and giving people a readout of when and how much they're coughing. And what would be some of the sort of clinical and practical applications of this? First and foremost, this app, which is freely available for anyone, you can go to either the iOS or Android uh, store and just download it for free. We're finding it's been very helpful for chronic coughers in terms of empowering them in their conversations with their providers. And again, as a chronic cougher, this happened to me just three months ago when I did develop COVID and I called my health provider and they're like, oh, you're too young for to be at risk. We're not going to give you Paxlovid. And I said, but I'm a cougher. And they're going, yeah, yeah, everyone coughs. I said, no, no, look at this. And I showed them the app and I had coughed 400 times the day before. And they're like, oh, okay, here's your prescription. So, you know, patients who have problematic coughs, their lives can be ruined by it. There's a very high level of depression. You know, women who have stress incontinence when they cough, it's super embarrassing. And so to be able to convey the magnitude of the problem to the provider is, is, is one incredible use that we're finding. And, and I should say, we're not yet an FDA cleared device. So what we're really hoping people can do is to use this to inform them so that they can have smarter conversations Sure. and for them to be able to, for example, realize that, wow, you know, when I exercise on a cold day, I cough more. So I'm going to exercise inside today. And for patients to take control of their own precipitators of their cough, change their lifestyle and, and minimize their symptoms. Once we get FDA approved, then I think this will become just a standard part of care, the same way that temperature and blood pressure are, are routinely measured. And, and then the final thing is that, you know, we have a paucity of good drugs for cough. The last FDA approved cough medicine uh, was more than 60 years ago. And one of the reasons is it's very hard to do clinical trials when you can't measure the endpoint. So we're hopeful that drug companies will start using this to accelerate the development of better technologies and, and drugs, uh, as well as patients and providers using it to improve the quality of care. Yes. And you mentioned this drug development. I think about uh, recruitment and clinical trials, but uh, the presenters of this podcast, 83 Bar, are deeply involved in patient recruitment and identification of people who might want to be involved in drug development. Could you see this as a kind of a patient selection tool? Absolutely. And I mentioned that there's been a lot of insights into the science of cough recently, which is leading to a handful of promising new drugs. And those trials, there was one trial where they did, and they recruited patients, they just tape recorded people for a day, and then they count the cough. And it took them a couple of weeks to do that. By the time they actually started and enrolled those patients in the trials, 15% of the patients didn't even have a serious cough anymore. So the ability to know passively and in real time how much people are coughing and to be able to find those patients and recruit them into your trials, you know, I think this is something that contract research organizations who are smart are going to jump on very quickly because cough is not just this so-called refractory chronic cough. Cough is a prominent symptom of COPD and asthma and GERD and sinusitis and, you know, there are many drugs for which cough is an indication. And there are also other drugs for which cough is, a, is an adverse side effect. So the ACE inhibitors. Uh, and so, you know, if you want to make sure that your new ACE inhibitor isn't causing a cough, it's now possible to do. More than just maybe a patient diary. 
you know, that you could actually measure it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because in terms of patients speak, these patient reported outcomes are really important perspectives when you're doing an intervention or a clinical trial. You know, you give somebody a new medicine and you ask them, do you feel like your cough is getting better? And, and yet that's not the same as is your cough actually decreasing. I would never pit these against each other, but I see them as very complementary. And we are doing studies now. We have 50 patients for whom we ask them every day, how's their cough? And we've monitored them for weeks. It's interesting how the trends align, but the details are super informative. Hmm, very interesting. Well, the company you're referencing is called Hyfe. And listeners, if you want to read more about it, it's hyfe.ai, hyfe.ai, and Dr. Peter Small, uh, Chief Medical Officer there. Dr. Small, I was also curious from the patient's voice, even widening out from just cough and all your other maybe experience here, from Stanford to Stony Brook to Madagascar and Nepal, is there a time that you can recall where really being face-to-face and eye to eye with the patient and hearing something from them, you know, changed your perspective. You've done the clinical research, you did the large papers, spoke at the large conferences, but there was this encounter with the patient where their story really impacted you and maybe caused you to shift some thinking. Can you think of a time? Well, absolutely. And and, and as I said at the, at the top of the interview, I am sort of embarrassed how late that happened in my career. My background was in in science and public health. And, and we looked at the massive problem of tuberculosis, which, you know, was killing 1.7 million people a year. I came at it from a, a scientific perspective of, you know, what's the best drug combination and a public health perspective of, you know, how do we reach the largest number of patients? And, and it wasn't until I moved my family to India for two years to work with the government there and spent thousands and thousands of kilometers driving around some of the most remote parts of India that I, I it, it, my mind flipped to, it wasn't the Minister of Health's perspective that mattered. It was the patient's pathway to cure. And how was it that when a woman in a remote village started coughing, where did she go and what did she pay? And, and the people who she saw, what did they do? And, and, and how often did they get it right? And how could you change the incentives such that everybody got to the right answer faster? And, and this so, so-called patient's pathway to cure analysis, that's really was for me a, a game changer. And, and it's kind of embarrassing because I think if I'd come into healthcare from a different perspective, I probably would have picked that up the first day. But, but you know, it, it actually has been a quiet revolution in the field of tuberculosis uh, away from the minister's perspective towards the patient's pathway perspective. And I think what's happening as a result is, is that some of these new tools are being implemented in a far more effective way. If patients are first seeking care from a local unlicensed doctor in remote India, you're not going to make progress by lecturing <laughs> the mm -hmm. doctors in the capital city. 
And you know, how do you actually go out and look at the places? Like, where was the delay? Where were the patients lost? And and bringing all of that together to sort of facilitate a prompt and comprehensive pathway that brings patients from first seeking care to empowering them. And and I think you know, sort of at a at the highest level, it's the um, it's this digital transformation of patient-centric, passive data collection, and then giving the patients control over that information so that it's just made obvious to them how, you know, for example, they're coughing a lot. And it's usually in the late afternoons when they are cooking indoors in Madagascar or when they're, you know, going for a jog on a cold day in Boston and, and, and then they can take control of their health themselves. Yeah. These are very personal insights. Thanks for sharing that story, first of all. And then let's talk about where we are now, Dr. Small. I, I don't think it has to be this technological Star Wars future to imagine that we could apply some of these digital tools to accelerate that patient journey. I mean, certainly you described this faster diagnosis, faster treatment, faster pathway to wellness, and that's what everybody wants. How can not only the maybe HIFE innovations, but other things that you're seeing, how could this accelerate that patient journey? I'll start by saying that COVID was an unmitigated disaster, but it had this thin little silver lining, and that is it has facilitated transformational change at a pace that was unprecedented in the history of medicine, which is traditionally a very conservative and slow to change for, for obvious reasons. What's really interesting to me is the central role that the patients themselves can play in driving those innovations, in selecting those innovations that make a difference. And we we have more than 30 studies going on around the world to try and understand whether having cough information actually makes a difference. And where it makes a difference, we're going to double down. And where it doesn't, we're going to back off. But it's actually at the end of the day that the users who will say, oh, that's helpful to me, and keep referring to it, keep it running on their phone. And then the second is, I think it's also patient taking the information from, you know, which whatever information they are acquiring and bringing it to their doctor and insisting that their doctor look at it. Because, you know, I, I know as a physician, super busy, very limited time, someone pulls out some new information, you're like, oh, Jesus, this is the last thing I need is more, <laughs> more data. But, you know, the patients know and they know what data the doctor should be aware of. And I think it's going to require a push from the patient side for a lot of this kind of information to be start to be incorporated in, in, in medical decision making. Well, certainly we need to tune into that patient voice. Well, Dr. Small, taking uh, all of our conversation and maybe taking a little 50,000 foot view, but also a call to action to listeners who might be either from the Main Street Clinic all the way to big pharma, or biotech or diagnostic companies, even investors in medical uh, companies. What do we need to hear and what do we need to really tune our antennas in to hear from the patient in your view? So I'm going to limit my comments to cough because, as you can tell, that's my current obsession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look, we're in what what some people would call a zero to one field. You know, this is 
never been done before. It has never been possible to passively and unobtrusively someone to monitor their own cough and see the patterns and the magnitude of that. And it's not unlike Uber as the first company to have regular people driving taxis, basically. Yeah. And with that comes this huge challenge of adoption because it requires an imagination. And I can't tell you how many doctors I've talked to are like, well, I don't really need that. I, I mean, if a patient's coughing, they'll tell me. And it's just mind blowing to me as somebody with a chronic cough, how hard it is to change the minds of patients, providers, and health systems, even when they're faced with transformational new information. And yet here they would have it in their hand. And I think that, you know, they just need to push. They need mm -hmm. to push it. They need to push the conversations. Well, what a terrific conversation, Dr. Small. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Listeners, my guest has been Dr. Peter Small. His company is Hyfe, H-Y-F-E dot A-I. And you can find him on LinkedIn at Peter M. Small. Thank you so much, Mark. Yes, and thank 83Bar for uh, sponsoring and presenting this conversation, all in the name of accelerating the patient journey from diagnosis to wellness. And how can the exchange and the interaction and the empowerment of the patient help make a difference? I'm Mark Stenson. Come along again for our next interview. We'll talk to another innovative healthcare executive about what we can learn when we listen to the patients speak. Thanks for listening to The Patients Speak. Healthcare Innovations Accelerating the Patient Journey with Mark Stinson. Presented by 83Bar, the patient activation company. Learn how 83Bar listens, educates, and navigates patients at 83Bar.com. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode of The Patients Speak. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host another show you might enjoy, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. It's a top-rated podcast featuring interviews with creators around the world. We help you gain the confidence and connections to launch your creative work out into the world. Look for Unlocking Your World of Creativity on your favorite podcast app.